honor to have you with us, and we're just super thankful that you're here. So, uh, there's also actually today we're going to have a newcomers lunch. So if you're if you're new, and uh, and you want to just come right after across the hall after this and have lunch with us, that'd be great. Um, don't you're not supposed to bring anything. Us pastors have already our wives actually have prepared something, so uh, it'll be great. And it's just a chance for you to come over and eat lunch and get to know us. Uh, there's nothing uh, nothing formal about it. So come and join us, even if uh, you kind of might have not been thinking that you were going to. Please do. So uh, we got a couple things. Uh, next Sunday is the new com- the new members class. So if you're a, uh, interested in our church or interested in what we believe, um, there's going to be a class from, at 4:30 here at the church next Sunday, and you can come and ask your questions, and uh, we'll kind of take you through uh, what we believe and what we are as a church, and hopefully you can um, um, get to know us a little better through that. Then Upward Basketball starts this week. Upward Basketball is our basketball ministry from kindergarten through sixth grade. Got about 350 kids signed up, and uh, it's, it's going to start on Monday. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty crazy, crazy time, but uh, it's really a big blessing. If you're not a part of it, just to ask you to pray for us as we start that ministry. It's a huge opportunity to share the gospel with lost people. There's a lot of people that will bring their kids to upward basketball, but they don't go to church, would never go to church. So we get an opportunity to invest in these kids and share Christ with them. It's a powerful opportunity. And if you want to be part of that opportunity, we actually would would love anyone to come and share their testimony at halftime. So at the games at halftime every Saturday, there's a, all the, all the parents are seated around this thing and those hoops are sticking down and, uh, you go out in the middle here and you share your testimony about seven minutes of what God's done in your life. And, and it is majorly compelling. You can actually see it in the crowd. People seeing a normal person like one of us stand out and talk about what Jesus has done in our lives. And people are, are moved greatly by it. So if you'd like to have that opportunity, and we have a team of people that kind of helps you craft your testimony to, to equal seven minutes. And uh, it's, it's a uh, It's a great opportunity. So if you want to be a part of that, come talk to me or or Nicole or Jennifer Randolph. Then uh, uh, Pastor Rick has recently retired from being a pastor here. And um, he he did a bunch of things here like uh, uh, maintenance on the building and some ministry to the the elderly in our church and some of the seniors. And so we're going to have a meeting this afternoon about that if uh, you'd like to come and and fill some of the roles. There's there's several different roles that could be filled um, and just a lot of needs around here that he did. So come at at, uh, 4 o'clock in room number 4 here this afternoon and we'll just kind of talk about that and maybe God could, could fill some of those spots. And lastly, uh, Pastor Jason, who is our associate pastor here, Jason Smith, for many years, he's uh, moved on and become a pastor in Montana, but he's uh, continued uh, pastor's training that we've done in India for many years now. Um, It's just a, uh, we've taken the pastors in India through some various trainings to kind of help them in their ministries, and he's uh, going there in a couple of weeks to continue doing that, and uh, he needs a couple thousand dollars, which is basically the money that it takes to actually get these pastors from remote places to uh, where they're going to have this training. So if you're uh, compelled to, to give to that, just put it in your, in your offering envelope and uh, pray that God will provide for that need. Let's stand up and worship the Lord. God, thank you for bringing us here, Lord, from our places. Lord, thank you for for showing us, Lord, that you loved us by dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that you made a way, Lord, for us to to be clean and forgiven, Lord. 
And you did that so that we could be your kingdom here on earth, Lord, so that we could, we could love each other, so that we could love others, Lord, so that we could, we could be your hands and feet right here in Casper, Wyoming, God. And that's actually why we're here this morning is to worship you and to grow in you and to hear from you, Father. So, Lord, I pray that as we stand here today, we would do that, Lord. We would lift up our voices and worship you. We would open up our hearts to hear from you, Lord, and we would obey you, God, and we would be changed. Thanks for being our God. Amen.
turn and encourage one another this morning. All right, let's sing again this morning. Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. You see yourself on this list anywhere? Do you see who, what you've been saved from? Do those things resonate with you when you look in the mirror? Be grateful this morning that God has made a way that we're no longer defined by those things if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Sing with gratitude.
Good morning. Welcome to the warmth, right? Hey, um, we're going to pray today on several things, but one of the things I'd like for us to pray about would be for these pastors in India that are going to be trained, that God will supply more than just the funds, and for Pastor Jason uh, as he goes to help um, lead them. And so we'll pray for that. But also, let's pray for the people who were caught out in this cold, uh, that they would turn to, to Christ and that they would find a place of safety. So let's do that as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the things that you give us. You have given us so, so much. We are blessed. We are absolutely blessed. And we ought to know that. So teach us more and more that we might have uh, more gratitude, deeper gratitude, uh, a simple gratitude, God, of just saying thanks to you. God, we thank you for the warmth we have here. We thank you for the, the body of Christ you've called us to be a part of, that you've provided for us to be a part of through the blood of your Son. By saving us. Lord, we also lift up our, uh, our brothers and sisters in India. We're coming for training. These pastors, these men who are coming to be trained in, in your word and in ministry. And God, we pray that you would provide, even from us, finances for them. Um, for everything that they need. And God, help them to be faithful to you. We pray for Pastor Jason, Lord, as he uh, gets ready to go, as he prepares, provide everything for him. And Lord, if you would send somebody with him, uh, we would ask that you would show them, show him, and that you'd provide this late a date, all the things that have to happen for that to, to go through. And Lord, we also... Uh, in that gratitude, we want to give you what you direct us to give, whether it's towards these Indian pastors and Jason or, Father, if it's just here for, for the things that you would have us to do as a church. Show us, Lord, and we'll give gratefully because you've given us everything. You have given us more than we need. So help us to live in what you give us. And, Lord, help us to use what you have given us for your glory. And so, Lord, we, we say to you with our offering, we trust you for more. We trust you that this is enough. And we trust you that we will serve you with our lives. And so, Lord, help us as we give to use this offering for your glory. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Would our ushers come?
May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we too would echo this prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Rome, where you've brought us together. son Jesus prayed in the garden John 17 he prayed that we would be one as Jesus is one with the Father to think of the unity of the Trinity and that Jesus would pray for us to have that same unity is an astonishing prayer on Jesus part Lord we confess we often fall short of that but it is not your goal you came to bring us unity to bring us peace you've given us all the same spirit And so, Lord, help us even this morning to lift our voices with one accord and praise you as you so rightly deserve. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Let's sing this together.
Kids, time for Super Church, if you'd like. Good morning to everybody else. Glad you made it out this morning in the cold. Glad that we can worship together. Glad that Jesus was important enough for you to battle the cold to get here. So take your Bibles and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. We're going to continue through a little passage we started last week and really talking about better together. It's kind of... uh, just a theme for a little while, better together and talking about the church. Um, before I get too far with this, though, I do, I know we've already talked about the ministry to the Indian pastors, but let me just share this again. Um, you know, we have, by the grace of God, been partnered up with this group of pastors in India, and they're, they're very needy people. It's just that simple. These guys don't have, they don't have money um, to speak of, so... Jason's church up in Montana, they tried to raise the money to bring the guys in, and uh, their church just, just couldn't afford to, to do it. The cost has gone up. So he asked me if we would consider taking a love offering. So we are, but just know that it's, it's pretty critical for the ministers, the pastors, the churches there in India. That's a tough place. I mean, they're persecuting believers in India. They're killing believers in India. Some of these guys live in pretty remote places, and and uh, they can't afford to come to these trainings by themselves. So 
if you give, you're going to give to their travel, you're going to give to their hotels, you're going to give to their food because they can't afford that stuff on their own. If you can't afford to give, that's, I understand, but I want you to pray. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty intense place to go. It's an intense place to train. Uh, last time uh, they had a training, they had the threats. The police were going to come arrest them all, and it didn't work out that way, thank the Lord, but it's an intense thing. So please pray for these guys and for this training. I would also ask you to pray for me. I uh, had a wisdom tooth pulled, in fact, a wisdom tooth pulled six weeks ago, and it's not healed, and I've had pain every day since then, pretty intense pain and swelling, and they went back in Monday and dug around in there and scraped around in there. It was awesome. Um, but I've just not been well. I mean, overall, just I've not felt well. And uh, so I would just ask you to pray for me that God would bring some healing and some relief from the pain. But I, I can't lie, I'm glad to be here. So Ephesians 4, let's get started. As a matter of fact, let's back up a little bit and read Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you've received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so good to be here today, Lord. You are worthy of our time. More than that, you're worthy of our hearts and our worship of our faith, of our service, and of our love. And we do love you. And Lord, your church is not only precious to you, but it's powerful. It is what you have set apart, called out, to serve you for your glory on this earth. And I ask that you would teach us and help us grow, not only in our understanding of what the church is, but of who we are to be within the body of Christ. I pray that you would strengthen your church. I pray that you would give us, Lord God, a, not just a, a, a zeal, Lord God, but but broken hearts when we, when we recognize how much we're needed and how far we have to go in growing to become what you've created, created us to be. Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to care and pray and grow. I certainly pray, Lord God, you'd be with those that don't know you here today. They need salvation. I pray that you'd draw them to Jesus today and that they'd be saved. And I just pray you'd be honored in all of it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we've, we're going to spend some time talking about the church in various ways. And, and uh, we talked last week about just the, the unity of the Spirit a little bit. And we're going to talk a little more about that today. But, but you know, one of the things that's, that's pretty apparent 
at some levels within the United States at least, because that's what I know best, is just how, how, how easy it is to devalue the church and how so many pe- people have devalued the church. Like it's not important. It's, a, uh, it's an option. Sometimes they view it as a supermarket. You know, I'll go there and get what I want. If I don't need anything, I won't go there. Um, you know, I'll just, it's just not important, right? But, but the Bible is the opposite. Let me read just a few passages before we get into our main focus this morning to talk about the importance of the church. And Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says, Husband love, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. And he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And I know that oftentimes we look at Ephesians 5 and talk about husbands, wives, and marriages, and we should, but it's also one of the most profound passages when it comes to the love that God has for the church and God's purpose for the church. I mean, here we we see this crazy thing where it says that Christ gave himself for the church as a whole. Many believers today only believe that God gave Jesus to die on the cross for them personally and maybe for other individuals, but God is all about the church as a whole. I love what it says that he is going to present him, or he's going to cleanse her with the washing of the water, but to present the church as a whole before him without spot or blemish, holy and blameless. I mean, God is working in his church as a body. And the, the cool thing about that is, is that he has set us apart to become something that we're not going to be on our own, to relate to one another in ways that the world doesn't relate to one another, to do things in us and then through us that he's not going to do in the world. And quite honestly, that he's not going to do through individual believers. But that's kind of what we think today is that my life and my relationship with Christ is an individual thing. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. It certainly doesn't have anything to do with the church, right? That's the supermarket I go to get what I want when I want it or I don't go to when I don't want anything from it. It's not really pertinent in my life. It's not really powerful to the kingdom. It's just this kind of thing that we got to kind of figure out what it means. But it's not that to Christ. It's his bride. He gave, herself for the ch- gave himself for the church. He's cleaning her up as a whole. And one day as a whole, he's going to present her to him, which is powerful. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. In other words, Christ is the head. We are the body, right? It's just that simple. He's the brains of the group. He's the sight of the group. He's the one that gives us direction and purpose. But we individually make up that body. And we'll talk about this more when we get into chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. But, I mean, he makes us all different. And the crazy thing is it's, it's not bad to be an individual. It's not bad to have your own purpose. It's not bad to have your own way. It's not bad to be you the way God created you to be. Matter of fact, I would not want all the members or the pieces of my body to all be the same because I die. And so would you, right? We all have to be different, but we are all individually parts of this body and we cannot 
separate ourselves from it. All we can do is cripple it. We can do that. I mean, if you, you've all been sick, you've all been injured, you all know what it means to have pain, that's, that's lousy. I mean, when something in your body's not right or when something's gone from your body that you should have, it's miserable, right? But for most of us, we don't even consider how our lack of connection or our lack of effort or our lack of love or our lack of commitment impacts the kingdom of God. Most of the time, it's not about that at all, right? Well, then over in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Listen, man, the church, the church as a whole is what Christ is after. The church as a whole is what Christ wants to work through. The church as a whole, right, could be this incredible force on this earth for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I will build my church. I won't just build Mike Cooper. I won't just build name your name. I'll build my church. In other words, he's got this plan for us, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so he's talking about a force, but, but most of us, we, we got to kind of refocus, if you will, on what the church really is and what God wants from the church. And it's certainly not just individualism. It's certainly not a rebellious heart. It's certainly not a denial that says you don't get to live your life independent of other people in Christ Jesus. It's this statement that says God wants us to come together in the most unique, powerful, earth-shattering way so that the world will know that there's a God in his church. And guys, it takes a lot of work, doesn't it? I mean, it's easy to be rebellious. Anybody rebellious here besides me? Three of you? (laughs) I know better, and so do you. It's easy to be rebellious. It's easy to be selfish. It it is easy to put up your walls to keep people away from you. It's easy to make excuses about why you won't love and why you won't serve and why you won't give and why you won't go. That's easy. It takes nothing to do that. But to love, to share, to sacrifice, to encourage, to bless, to come alongside That takes so much work, and it it actually takes this interruption into our selfishness. Did you hear me say that? To be a church, to be a part of the church that, that really does make an impact in this world for Christ Jesus, for the one we love, it takes an interruption in selfishness. We have to kind of put aside our agendas and go, there's a bigger purpose when we are together than when we're doing it by ourselves. And really, that's what we learned last week. I mean, man, we read those verses, 20, 
and 21 of chapter 3 and how God wants to do more than we could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us so that he'll get the glory in his church and in Christ Jesus. In other words, God wants to do something so powerful in his church that the world goes, look at the glory of Jesus Christ in his church. I mean, you think God doesn't want to get glory through his church today? And yet most of us have pushed the church into some corner of our life where we don't care anymore about it and we don't pray for her and we don't walk together. It's ridiculous to me. And he says, therefore, if God wants to get glory, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your salvation. Walk in a way that says, yes, Jesus Christ is important to me. That what God has done for me through Jesus Christ is really important to me. Walk worthy. The high calling that God has given us to become his people, to have the spirit of God flowing in us, to serve him. It's such a high calling. He says, walk worthy of that calling. This is not about you walking worthy of you. This is about you walking worthy of the Savior that loves you. And then, he, and then he defines it, and it's pretty shocking because he tells us, man, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I mean, if you're going to walk worthy of this calling, he's teaching us how to walk together in a way that's worthy of him. And it starts with humility, to actually put yourself down and consider others more important than you, to walk with gentleness, to realize that you need to be careful how you treat one another because we're broken and we're hurting. I mean, I know it's, it's funky to say that we're hurting. I know that. Most of us don't want to say that stuff. Matter of fact, sometimes we don't want to say that in church, and I get that. Some 33 years ago, I remember Beth and I, we were in dire straits in our first church. I mean, dire straits. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. But, but man, if God didn't do some kind of miracle, we were going to be in, in trouble like I'd never been in. And uh, not because I'd done anything immoral. That sounds funny. Uh, we were just in some financial needs that were crazy. And so one Wednesday night, I shared it with my church. I, just pray for, I didn't even talk about finances. I said, just pray for Beth and I. Uh, we, need, we need God to help us. I see a lady, a deacon's wife, uptown the next day. This was a nasty lady, by the way, just so you know. And she says, I'm putting gas in the car. And she goes, preacher, I just want you to know, don't share your problems with us. We got enough problems of our own. We don't care about yours. Now, <laughs> the Bible says here to walk in humility and gentleness. And I'm pretty sure I didn't tell her all that I wanted to. But I didn't respond this way either. You know, just so you know, I, I love you. And I'll be praying for you. I hope God blesses you. I don't really remember. It's been a long time. I don't really remember what I said, but I can remember what I thought. Lord, why don't you just strike her dead? Listen, guys, you think I'm fiery now. God has tamed me. But we're supposed to be tamed. We're supposed to be tamed. We're to have humiliation, and we're to see that other people are broken and they're needy, and we're supposed to respond that way. We're supposed to 
be patient and bear with one another when others are frustrating and when others are irritating. We're not, we're not supposed to separate every time somebody frustrates us. We're not supposed to reject every time somebody doesn't respond well. It's easy to do that, isn't it? We're supposed to be patient and bear with them and love them. And we are to, we're going we're to strive, we're to seek to keep the unity of the Spirit. We're to work at it. The unity of the Spirit, and not, not just having unity in how we think or what we do, but the purpose of the Spirit and who He is, His unity in us. We're to work hard to maintain that, that unity. And we're to do that in the bond of peace. That means we're to put aside all the things that bring disharmony and disunity and, and conflict. We're to do that together. Now, I don't know about you, but if that's what the church is at the core, if that's being lived out among each other in both commitment as well as in manifestation through our, our acts towards one another, do you think this city would notice? Do you know anywhere else that God calls three or 400 people to walk like that together? No, you don't. Nowhere. Because in order to do that, you have to have Christ deeply, not in you, but flowing from you. Guys, we got some things to work on. Now, I don't know a perfect church. I'm thankful for College High, but we got some things to work through. So then, why, right? Why should there be such unity in the church. Well, look at verse four. And these are simple things, but I love what it says. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. Man, it moves in from making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace to simply pointing out the fact that there are things that unify us, truths that should make us unified. The first one is there's one body, right? There's one body. And the easiest example is our bodies. I only have one body. Every part of me is a part of this body. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we will later, it explains that. And you don't get to say that because you're not an eye when you're a foot, that you don't get to be a part of the body. No, you, all of us, we need all of us. There's only one body, but here's the deal. You are a part of it. There's only one body, so you are a part of it. So being unified in the spirit comes naturally because you're already a part of that body. Now, here's, here's what most people say to me when they don't want to be a part of the church. Is they, they say, well, I'm saved, so I'm part of the universal body. You are? Absolutely. But I got to tell you this, most people tell me that so that they don't have to be a part of the local body, right? Because they go, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a part of the church, and I don't have to go to church to, you know, be a good Christian. And both of those things are incorrect, by the way. Incorrect. You don't just go to church, you are a part of the church. Therefore, when the church gathers, you should come together with the church because the Bible says so, right? Don't forget the, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, as is the habit of some. But as the day draws near even more, like draw more, gather together. There's part of this being in the church is gathering together. You should do that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that most people go, if I become a part of a local body, if I have a member in a church, 
then guess what? I'm going to be accountable to somebody. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. You're going to get to be a part, a member, join with other believers who love Jesus like you love Jesus and want to serve Jesus like you want to serve Jesus. You're going to, you're going to struggle to be a part of that church because you don't want your freedom or you want your freedom. Guys, that's selfishness and that's sinfulness. I don't care what anybody says. And it's not maturity, it's immaturity. You get to be a part of the body of Christ where you work beside and walk with and love others and experience their goodness and their grace. Yes, you've got to endure some things. Yes, you've got to persevere sometimes. But man, the body of Christ is one. And whether you want to be a part of it and whether you want to be connected to it or not, there's just one body. If you're a believer, you're not connected to any other, even though it seems like so many Christians want to be. I'd rather be connected somewhere else, which speaks more about your relationship with Jesus than you want it to. Amen? Listen, there's one body. You're already in it. The problem is, for many of us, we don't want to be connected or committed or accountable because there's still some sin and some attitudes in there that need to be corrected. But we should be unified, one body, one spirit. One spirit. We talked about this a little bit last week, right? When we are saved, and I love this, it says in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and God gives you the Holy Spirit. So in the body of Christ, there's one body, there's one spirit. Just like I'm one body with one spirit, in the church there's one spirit. It's not different spirits. Right, it's not different gods. It's just the Holy Spirit of God, the living God in spirit that comes and dwells in us. Therefore, that connects us at a level that you can't even describe. I've talked about it so many times. I don't care where I go in the world. I mean, I've been to India, praise God. But when I'm with these guys that are brothers and sisters in India, man, there's this oneness with them that I don't have to explain and they don't have to explain. When I was in Bulgaria in the gypsy villages, there's this oneness with these believers. What is that oneness? When I'm in Congo or Zambia, man, when I'm in, when I was in Thailand or Vietnam or China, there's a oneness. And man, I don't speak any of those languages. I've told you so many times the Congo pastors hold my hand because it's a sign of friendship and dear friendship. And man, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God in that man, I wouldn't be holding his hand because it's not natural. But the truth of the matter is I can hold his hand because there is a oneness between me and him that no one should ever reject. And why would you want to? Man, there's one body and one spirit that unites us in Christ. So we should be making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit we should be making every effort. And I know sometimes when we're here at church, we get to know people. We know their personalities. They're different. We know their directions. They're different. The way they think is different. All these differences. 
But they have the same Holy Spirit in them that you do if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. And so walking in unity is not hard. Getting over our sinful attitudes, yep, that's hard. Walking in unity is not hard. One body, one spirit. And then I love what he says. It's such a sweet thought. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling. I mean, not only are we unified in one body in Christ and and in one spirit that lives in us, but we all have the same hope. The same hope is that through Christ Jesus, right, we will have eternal life one day. We will be delivered from this body. We will actually enter into the presence of the living God and there will be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more dying, no more tears, life. And I, I saw this, I think it was a farce, I don't know what it was, but it's this little cartoon, you know, on one part of it is all these people standing in line, Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, blah, 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 all these doors, all these doors, all these lines. And then in the next square, you see them going through the door and it's just a big open room. <laughs> They're all going to the same place. It's so cool to me. <laughs> we have... We have the same hope of our calling, right? Man, how sweet would it be if we began to treat one another like we're excited about spending eternity with them? I mean, some of us, you're like, I wouldn't want to spend 10 minutes with Pastor Mike. I hope the Lord tells me that. Because when we get to heaven, I'm going to snuggle up to you. (laughs) Like, it is so good to see you. We're going to hang out for about 100 years. Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe there's no revenge in heaven, I don't, but it'd still be, it'd be fun. But uh, I love what it says in 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you talk about something that should move us toward a spirit of unity is that we have the same hope. You know, those who don't know Christ Jesus don't really understand us because they're still trying to find their hope in the cheap daily things. You ever listen to a lost person? You ever just sit with a lost person? Maybe you should sit with a Christian that doesn't have much of a relationship with Jesus it's hard for me to sit with them because they don't, they don't talk about the things I like to talk about. I mean, they talk about how to get ahead financially. They talk about how to get ahead, you know, uh, in their families. They talk about how to get ahead politically. They talk about how to get ahead, how to have more comforts, how to help themselves. I could care less. I don't have to get ahead because this world's not my home. And it's all going to disappear one day. My hope is in life after death. How about yours? What a sweet way to unite in Christ. Well, he goes on. Verse 5 says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Again, he's talking about truth, about what's happened, about what's happened among us. One Lord. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Like, you don't have a different Lord than I have. We have the same Lord. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we were saved the same way. 
I mean, one Lord means that he's the one that's ruling. He's the one that's reigning. He's the one that saves. He's the one that directs. He's our hope. He's everything. One Lord. Now, I even love what it says in Philippians 2, 8 through 11. It says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's only one Lord. And those of us that have acknowledged Christ Jesus already as Lord and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead, man, we should be celebrating the unity that we have in him. We should be looking around going, oh, he's your Lord, he's, he's my Lord too. Oh, well, if he's gonna lead you, he's gonna lead me. If he's gonna lead us, he's gonna lead us together. One Lord. I mean, it's a crazy thing to me sometimes how we categorize. Anybody a categorizer? All that means is that you're, we're judgmental. So is anybody judgmental? Three more people. Wow. I'm telling you, we have such a great church. I don't know why I preach anymore. I should just sit down. Y'all can go, we're perfect. Thanks, Pastor. Maybe I preach to me because I'm not. It's not easy sometimes, is it, to see people who claim Christ and don't live for him? To see people who sometimes are arrogant about their relationship with Christ when you know they're selfish and you know they're harsh. It's not always easy to look at somebody and go, but that's, that's the same Lord. It's not always easy to be united, but... But some of these truths, they cut across all the imperfections in the church. Do you understand? The church is always going to be imperfect in this world. That's why Christ is washing her with the word, right? Continuing to prepare her and wash away the blemishes and, and to get her ready to be holy and blameless. But when we understand that there's one body, that there's one spirit, that there's the same hope, that there's one Lord it begins to cut across that stuff that we allow to separate and draws us together. If Jesus is their Lord, then they're my brother and they're my sister. And guess what I'm called to do? I'm called to love them. One Lord, one faith. I love this one. Part of the book of Ephesians was to encourage the Jews and the Gentiles to walk well together. That Christ had removed the wall that separated from them and then brought them together as one people. And so it's, it's no longer necessarily the separation between Jew and Gentile for us, but one faith means one faith in America, one faith in Africa, one faith for white, one faith for black, one faith for rich, one faith for poor, one faith for male, one faith for female, one faith. And that faith is putting our faith in Jesus Christ who alone saves. No other faith saves. And so when we come together as the church, we have one faith. And I love the fact that one faith saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God lest any man should boast uh, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And uh, if I quoted it in the NASB, forgive me. But anyway, truth be known is that all of us came the same way. 
Steve's faith is pretty darn good. Mine's subject sometimes, but his isn't any better than mine because it was a faith that saved Steve, same faith that saved me. Sorry, brother. I'll pick you out. But uh, I kind of like that. No super Christians, right? There might be some Christians that are a little more faithful than others. That's, that's true, no doubt. But the same faith saves us. That levels the playing field. And as we walk as a body of Christ, then we can have the unity of the Spirit because of that same faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. This one kind of made me laugh when I came to it because over the years I've had plenty of discussions about baptism, you know. There's a lot of people who don't think they ought to be baptized, and I always throw out the criminal on the cross. He wasn't baptized. <laughs> well, the Bible assumes you're going to be baptized, just so you know. There's not even a doubt. You should be baptized because baptism is your outward telling, if you will, of what's happened to you inwardly. It's very symbolic. Man, you go under the water and you've died to sins and died with Christ to sin. And then you come up out of the water. You've been raised to newness of life like Christ has been raised to life. And you identify with Jesus. You identify with the other believers. There's one baptism. There's not many different baptisms. It's just one. You come to Christ, you get baptized, and you identify, and you walk together because you're new in Christ Jesus. That's why you get baptized. But people make it about so much less. <laughs> you know, again, I don't want the commitment. I don't, I don't think I have to. I think I can do it my way. Do you hear what the comparison is between what God's calling us to? The unity of the Spirit whereby we're not sorry we're part of the church, where we're not sorry we get to be a part of the other believers' lives, where we're not sorry that we have accountability to somebody else who's going to walk with us and see us and encourage us and sometimes correct us, where we assume that being saved means the blessing of being a part of those that have been saved around us. Do you see what the Bible's saying here? The church, man, it's a gift. The church is a blessing. Being a part of her is a joy. It's not, it's not some kind of hindrance. It's not some kind of curse. No, that's what selfishness brings. That's what rebellion brings. That's what arrogance brings. No wonder the Lord said, man, if God's going to get glory in his church, you've got to walk worthy of your calling, and it starts with humility. Isn't that interesting that he said that? Because he gets it right, doesn't he? If God's going to get glory, it starts with humility. And it takes humility to be part of a church. No doubt about it. Well, he finishes this little passage with one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. And I don't want to make too much of this, but it's kind of sweet to me that he's already talked about one Spirit, right? God, the Holy Spirit. He's talked about one Lord, Jesus Christ, God the Son. Now he's talking about God the Father. Isn't it interesting that that he brings in this concept of one God revealed in three ways and how powerful that is. And I don't have time to go through a lesson on the Trinity and I'll never have time. 
to go through a full lesson on the Trinity, and nor will you, except that you should hear what he's saying is, there is one God. And as God the Father, he's talking about how God the Father reveals himself to us, which is as a father. And every single believer in Christ Jesus here today is a child of the living God, and he responds to us as our father. And I find that amazing. I find that amazing because, you know, fathers are rather kind of dear to my heart. I mean, truly one of the great gifts I've ever had is to become a father. And it's hard to stop being a father. My adult children wish I would quit being a father sometimes. Because here's what I see about my adult children. You're still needy. You still don't know everything you need to know. I'm going to look at Abby because she's the only one here today. Congratulations, Abby. And the youngest. And you still need help from your dad. Well, guess what that says about us and our relationship with God. We still don't know everything we need to know. We still can't do everything we think we can do. And we still need help from our father. And we're all alike. We're not different. Some of you, somewhere along the way, have decided that you are the strongest, most capable, you know, most self-sufficient child of God you've ever met. And you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. And you don't have to be. We all have one father who's available to us. He's above all. He's in all. He's through all. And he's not talking about just being above all and in all and through all. In general, he's talking about us. He is not in an unbeliever, but he is in us. And so we have this truth here that resounds, I hope, loudly in your life. God is not saying to you, it's okay to be separate. He's not saying to you, it's okay to live independently. He's not saying to you that you're strong enough to be by yourself. He's not saying any of that to you. He's saying that we are to work, to strive, to keep the unity of the Spirit, to walk together in the bond of peace. He's telling us all these things are true about those of us who know Christ Jesus the Lord. They are true. There's one body, and we are all individually part of it. There's one spirit who resides in us and moves together through us in the most powerful, mysterious way. There's one hope of our calling, this hope and this direction to heaven. There's one Lord Jesus Christ. There's one faith that saves in Jesus Christ. Man, there's one baptism that testifies to what Christ has done in our lives and testifies to who we are together. And there's one God and Father, and he's moving, and it's powerful. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to look. That's how we're supposed to view the church. But it takes a ton of work. But it's worth it. I mean, some of us have to give up some of this fear. I mean, it's just fear. If I move that close to somebody, 
if I become a part of that church to that level, if I start caring for people, they're going to hurt me. They're going to let me down. It's happened before. I can't do it. Yes, you can. It's happened to me before too, multiple times. Yes, you can. Why would you expect other believers to be any more perfect than you are? Have you ever hurt somebody else? Have you ever let somebody else down? Have you ever seen the pain of a person? I mean, you said the wrong thing too at the wrong time in the wrong way. Have you? Do you not then need them to look at you and go, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. My brother, I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And we're not supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to look anything like the world. Christ Jesus redeems us. He makes us new creations. He dwells in us. Selfishness is to fall away. Hard-heartedness and resentment is to be given up. Love, unity, perseverance, patience, enduring. They are to be what defines us and describes us. And man, the church in America, we're incredibly weak today. We're not dead. We won't be dead. God won't let us die. But we're weak. As man, we won't hardly walk across the street to love on and help another believer. Guys, we should be praying. I don't know about you. I pray a lot about, Lord, why are we not making a bigger difference in our city. Sometimes it's why am I not making a bigger difference in my city? But it can't just be individuals. It has to be the church. Just because you're busy doing ministry does not mean you've connected with the church and you're walking with them. It does not mean that. But it should we should be doing this together. Amen? And man, the thought I had as I was preparing for this was all those things are true for me and for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. But if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, those things are not true of you. You are not a part of the body of Christ. You are not filled with the Spirit of God. You do not have the hope of eternal life. You do not have a Lord working in your life. You do not have faith that saves. You do not have a baptism that declares your, the salvation you've received. And you do not have a God who's your father. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he cares for you. He created you. But your sin has separated you from him. But this passage reminds us that those who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And then all these things will be true of you too. And don't miss Jesus in your life. And don't miss his church in your life. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, grateful for your word. It's very simple, yet it's profound, and it's incredibly difficult, Lord. These six little verses, they call us to things, Lord Jesus, that, that our flesh fights against every day. I know that only by the move of your spirit, by the power of your might in us, will we ever become the church you call us to be. So I'm asking for you to do the work that would transform us and bring us together as a body filled with your spirit, keeping the unity of the spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we walk together as the body of Christ, that your name would be glorified in Casper and across our state and throughout our world. Please minister to those who are lost here today. Please encourage those, Lord God, that are hurting today. Please bring healing to the sick here today. And Father, we'll give you praise for all of it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing this morning. Amen. Before I forget, we'd love to have you come to our newcomer's lunch. If you're new with College Science or relatively new in the small gym right across the hallway over there, we'll have some, some food set up. So please join us. We'd love to have you. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, 
for your mercy, for your love for your church. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the privilege of being a part of her, that you're working in her, that you're going to finish your work. But Father, I do pray that you would, you give us a courage, a strength, a desire, and a love to grow together and the spirit of unity, Lord God, to love more, to serve beside others more, to invest more in your kingdom, and to put aside, Lord, our selfishness and our independence. Lord, you want us as a church to be a testimony of the greatness of Jesus Christ. So do that in us, Lord, we pray. And thank you for everyone here today. May you bless them richly. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.